Good to have you here this morning. You like my other African shirt? It's got flowers. I got to tell you, when you're a big black African dude with ivory skin, a white shirt with flowers looks really cool. When you're a short Puerto Rican, it's borderline creepy. <laughs> I put it in this morning and went, oh man, what did I get, you know? So uh, anyway, I wore it. Flower boy. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about faith. Actually, I'm going to start a series about faith. We're probably going to be talking about this for several weeks. Um, what it means to have real faith in your life. Now, in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 6, it says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must, number one, believe that he exists, and number two, rewards those who earnestly seek him. Two versions of faith here. One, the initial part of faith, that you actually acknowledge God and believe his, that he exists. But number two, that he actually shows up and does things for people. Now, as I talk about faith, I'm going to be focusing on the second part of this. Uh, a lot of times you might have a message on faith and believing in God in the first place. I'm assuming most of you already have that or you wouldn't be here. So uh, what I want to focus on is the kind of faith it takes to have God really show up and change things, literally change things in your life. Now we hear about this in Mark the 11th chapter where Jesus said, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. How do you get to the point where you can move the mountains in your life? Now, I want to be talking about faith that brings real changes to real life situations. And when I'm talking about, you know, my whole emphasis on faith it's pretty practical. It's, it's got to be about God. It's got to be about Jesus. And does it actually mean anything and does anything in your life? I am not a big fan of spiritual manifestations that people get all excited about that accomplish little to nothing. Now, I'm going to make some of you mad as I mention this. Get in line. Okay. Don't email me. I don't care about what you think about it. I'm just going to tell you what I think. I'm your pastor. I'm telling you what I think. You believe whatever you want to believe. This isn't crucial life and death kind of stuff. But, you know, and I have great friends, you know, who believe in all kinds of manifestations and they think it's the, the coolest thing. People come to church and they fall on the floor and they get, and that their whole thing was, man, God really moved today. Really, all kinds of people fell on the floor. What's the point of that? I mean, if you're a big fat jerk and you fall on the floor and you get up and you're still a big fat jerk, why did that change? <laughs> I don't know, the people like, they get excited about things. I'm telling you, I think it's a temptation. That's my personal thing. At a minimum, it's a distraction. When we start letting things that really aren't about Jesus get us all excited and things that don't really matter, things that don't really mean anything. 
And I know people have their little pet things that they, you know, ooh, I had this thing and we saw this and there was this revelation about that. And, and they get all thrilled and they think that God really showed up, but I don't get it. What is the point? Someone tells me, oh, pastor, we were praying and, and I just started sweating. And I just started sweating, holy sweat. I was just drenched with holy sweat. What do you think of that? Well, I think I don't want to hug you. <laughs> but uh, what's the point of that? What, what does that accomplish, actually? Well, something cool happened. Well, whoopies think and do. You know, I was at one lady's house, and all of a sudden the wind blew, and it caught the screen door, and it opened and slammed. She goes, oh, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. She says, the presence of the Lord just entered the room. All I'm thinking is, I mean, come on. First of all, if the Lord's going to show up, I don't think he uses the screen door. Now, I tried to get in. It was locked. Forget it, you know. Come on. Now you're just being a wacko. Ooh, this happened. We saw that. Ooh, there was a... There was a Spiritual butterfly that went through the room. And the point? Well, there isn't any. Just. I'm, t I'm telling you, I think it's a distraction at a minimum. It could be a deception at the worst. Be careful about things that don't really matter about anything. It are just weird, strange things. That's, we're not called to weird and strange. We're called to experience God. And all kinds of church. I mean, you know, there's churches that if you don't shake just the right way, God didn't show up. You know, you got to shake. <laughs> Actually, there's a whole denomination based on that. Anybody know what the name of it was? Quake Quakers and the Shakers. That's right, two of them. Two of them. There were the Shakers. Why were they called Shakers? Because they literally shook. <laughs> That's how they knew. They came to the church. <laughs> and everyone, whoa, that was really God. I'd go like, what the heck? And the Quakers, the whole denomination, because they would quake. <laughs> I've been in these. Look, I, I don't hate these people. I used to be in a lot of these services. I was a keyboard player. I'd play organ and revival services and stuff. And we're in this one church in North Carolina. And I'm playing the organ, and people are just up in front shaking. And, and Debbie was there, but she wasn't shaking. Uh, so they got really concerned. So, <laughs> you remember this? People had her by the arm and the shoulder, and they're just shaking her. <laughs> you know, I'm playing the organ going. <laughs> she needed to get the Holy Ghost. If she wasn't shaking, she didn't get the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on. Where's that in the Bible? Listen, beyond, beware of the beyond the Bible club. Are you hearing me? Beware of the beyond the Bible. When people talk about all these manifestations stuff that you don't even read in the Bible. Ooh, this happened and that happened and we heard this and we saw that. Just Really? What are you talking about? Shaking and twirling and zipping and... Look, as long as you're living a holy life, I don't care. If you got to shake to get holy, then shake your brains out. But just shaking, I knew these people. The guy's in business, he's a liar and a cheat. 
His daughter was always whoring around on weekends, and the cousin, what was he, he was breaking into houses and stealing women's underwear. <laughs> but they got in church and they shook on them. <laughs> Bunch of dysfunctional psychos. Thing and they're experiencing Jesus because they're shaking. I don't care. Seeing stuff, hearing stuff. What the heck? Well, Pastor, when we get together, not everything miraculous has to have a purpose. Yes, it does. The Bible specifically says that. Now, if you're by yourself and you want to see twinkly birds and dust coming off of shelves and whatever, fine. But when you gather together with other believers, you got no business just doing weird stuff that has no purpose. Paul talked about this when he wrote in Corinthians. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He said, man, we got this miracles and you got this spiritual. And we're for that stuff in this church. But only when it makes sense. Because Paul said, look, if you're in a service and someone starts speaking in tongues, but no one translates what they're saying, what's the point? He says, tell the guy to shut up. But I'm sure the guy speaking in tongues was being blessed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And everybody around was, ooh, look at that. Ooh. What's it mean? I don't know, but ooh. <laughs> Come on. We're not called to ooh. We're called to things that make a difference. And there's been a lot of this stuff. You know, Pastor Latham was talking to me the other day, you know, about... What was it? They'd see gold dust. That was, a, that was the move of God. People would see gold dust. What does that mean? Talk about the Beyond the Bible Club. Oh, Pastor, the Spirit of God really moved and we saw, we saw gold dust. Yeah, we'll sweep it up and keep it. <laughs> Gold's getting really expensive, man. Give me some. Gold dust. How do I know you're just not hallucinating? Did you take LSD when you were a teenager? You know? <laughs> All right, some of you like that stuff. Again, I know I make some of you mad. Some people think I'm not spiritual. What is the point? I'm, when I talk about experiencing God, I'm talking about real stuff. I'm talking about God shows up and changes circumstances, changes people, changes things. We're not called to get all excited about things that go bump in the night. Matthew, the 17th chapter, verse 1, writes this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. So here Jesus with these guys are hanging out. And there it says, there he was transfigured before them. I mean, this is, a, he starts physically changing. And he starts glowing like a light bulb. I mean, it says here that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. This is very impressive stuff. This is like, wow. But in the midst of all of a sudden this glorious transformation of the Son of God up there with these guys, it says, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now that's impressive. When you're in church and dead people start popping up, that's pretty impressive. Here Moses pops up, Elijah, never did say he died, he just got caught into heaven, but I mean, now this is a big deal to these boys, these, these are Jewish boys, man, all their life they've heard about Moses and Elijah, and they got all excited about Moses, and like, whoa, <laughs> Moses is here, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's Moses! <laughs> And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, this is so cool. This is so cool. This is so cool. It's Moses and Elijah. 
good for us to be here. If, if you want, I'll put up three shelters. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Oh, this is exciting. And the Bible says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covers them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now when the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. Which, by the way, usually when angels and stuff really show up, people freak. Okay? I don't think there's any place in the Bible where an angel didn't show up where people went, Ugh. <laughs> So if you see angels showing up, you're talking with them. You, know, you don't freak out. They're, you're a little different than these guys. But oh, they just freak. They fall on their face on the ground, splat, in the dark because the clouds still walking to us. Jesus comes over, touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. Easy for you to say. It says, when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus, which was the point of the voice that said, listen to him. Don't get all excited about the Moses and Elijah experiences in your life. This isn't about that. It's about him. This is about Jesus. Focus on Jesus. They looked up and all they saw was Jesus. And make no mistake, Christians from the beginning, forget Christians. I mean, even back in the Old Testament, people get all excited about things that had some kind of spiritual connection instead of God himself. I mean, those whole churches, man, they get all excited about things like relics and stuff, you know, you know. And then some of you, listen, I know it's the nature of man. If I were to show you a piece of wood and said, without a question, this is the piece of wood from the actual cross that Jesus died on, most of you in this place would just get as excited as you could. You'd get goosebumps. Oh, oh, let me touch it. Let me touch it. Let me touch it. Oh, oh I love this wood. <laughs> you know it, that's because it's the nature of people. We get all excited about things instead of God. Who cares if we got a piece of the actual cross? It's just wood, for heaven's sakes. We should be excited about Jesus, the Son of the living God. Don't get sidetracked with stuff. I don't care if some saint blows his nose in a Kleenex and you get to keep the Kleenex later. Say, ooh, it's a relic. Ooh, it's holy, holy, holy. Things are not holy because somebody touched it for heaven's sakes. Even in the Old Testament they did this. One time, snakes were poisonous snakes were killing people in the camp. And the people turned to Moses and said, what are we going to do? They're killed. And Moses prays. I love God. God always does weird things just to mess with people's heads. You know, it's like he never answers anything the same way twice. So instead of just healing people, he says, oh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a bronze snake and put it up on a stick. Call it snake on a stick. And uh, he didn't call it, that's what I call it, snake on a stick. And he said, whenever someone gets bit by a snake, if they look up to the snake on a stick, they'll be healed. And they were healed. It was a miracle. Uh, and Jesus actually uses that analogy later. He says, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. 
so that those of us who've been bitten by the poison of sin can look to the cross and be healed. It's a great analogy. But do you know what these nitwits did with the snake? They worshiped it. They, were, they kept the snake. And the Bible says they turned it into an idol. And they would worship the snake on a stick. Oh, snake on a stick. Oh, I love you, snake on a stick. Hullaba, hullaba, we love you, snake. God got really ticked off at them. You're worshiping the stupid snake. Why? Because, oh, I'm, I'm telling you, it's the nature of people. We will get our eyes off of things that matter onto things that don't matter. Don't do it. It's been a temptation of mankind from the beginning. When I'm talking about faith, I'm talking about faith that points you to Jesus. I'm talking about faith where you get God to move in your life and change the circumstances in your life. That is the kind of faith I'm talking about. The kind of faith where we see no one but Jesus. Faith, the kind of faith I'm talking about is what gets God's attention in your life. In Mark, the fifth chapter, we read this account. It says there was a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She was sick. 12 years she'd been this way. She suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. Not a slam on doctors, but, you know, 2,000 years ago, these doctors weren't exactly state of the art, you know. Who knows what they did to her, trying to make her better. And most of it was based in superstition than in science, and they made it worse. And the Bible says she spent all she had. She had been sick, had kept... I mean, it's one thing to be sick. It's another thing to keep getting sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker for 12 years. Sicker than when she started and had lost everything. It cost her everything. She was broke. And uh, it says when she heard about Jesus... So now Jesus, if you read in the context, Jesus is walking through the crowd. And at, at, at one point in Jesus' ministry, he was like a rock star. I mean, people came by the tens of thousands to hear what he had to say, to see the miracles that he was doing. Uh, but at some point, they couldn't take it anymore. At some point, they said, man, we can't take this guy anymore. And they left him. By The crowds all left him. It was a, it was a major turning point in his ministry. Because Jesus was very, very tough. You know, today we just like reading all the warm and fuzzy things Jesus said. But as I've been showing you in the last few months, Jesus was very hard. He didn't mess around. He wasn't preaching some wussified version of faith, said the guy with the flowers on his chest. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was preaching it, man. Tell it like it is. And at some point, people said, oh, I just, ugh. And they walked away from him. But at this point, he's in his rock star mode, man. Everybody just, everybody wants to be around Jesus. And they're gathering around. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. So this lady hears about Jesus coming. And she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who, who touched my clothes? Now, Luke, when he tells the story, first thing he says is everybody started denying that they touched him. I didn't touch him. I didn't, you touched him. I didn't touch him. They were afraid he was going to yell at him. It says here uh, that the disciples said, you see the people crowding around you, yet you ask who touched me? Hello, everybody's touching you. But Jesus ignored him. He knew something miraculous had just happened. He sensed it. 
Jesus kept looking around to see what, who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. Now the point here is I want you to see it's that it is faith that gets God's attention. It is faith and confidence that gets God to move in your life. It is not crying and freaking and panicking. For if it were crying, freaking, and panicking, they got miracles, all y'all would have miracles. Everybody would have miracles. Everywhere we look, we'd see miracles. People freaking and crying all the time. You see, you mean, you mean God doesn't care when I'm sad? Oh, no, he cares. He cares. He'll comfort you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the comforter. We will comfort you. If you're sad, we'll all get together and have a sad party for you. And we'll get together we'll hold you and we'll cry with you and we'll pray for you. And if things get really bad and you die, we'll have a nice funeral. <laughs> Pastor Lathan will cry. I'll preach. It'll be fabulous. <laughs> and look, I'm, I'm not making fun of you. Sometimes you just need to be comforted. It's fine. But how many of you, you just don't want to be comforted. You want God to change the situation. Let me see your hand. You want to see God change the situation. Listen to me. You staying in comfort zone doesn't change anything. Doesn't change jack squat. Just means you're in a place where you'll be comforted. Why? Because you're freaking and crying. And look, I get it. Whenever something bad happens, your first response is to freak and cry. I'm cool with that. I always have a personal rule. 48 hours, I can freak and cry. Something goes, oh, I got 48 hours. <laughs> but then I slap myself and I got to snap out of it. Why? Because I don't want to stay in comfort mode. I want to see God change the situation. I want to see God show up and do something. But you can't do that if you stay in boo-hoo mode. It's not boo-hoo that brings miracles. It is confidence and real faith in God. Now, what I'm going to be showing you over the next several weeks is how to get to that place of faith where God actually shows up and starts to change the circumstances in your life. Because we have got to get past boo-hoo mode. I mean, what are you going to do when things go south in your life? Look, real faith brings real miracles. But miracles come where miracles are needed. You know, there's the old saying, Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. You know, well, you can't get to heaven until you die. The same is true with miracles. Everybody wants miracles, but you don't get miracles unless you need a miracle. We love to read the Bible about the great miracles in the Bible. What we fail to connect is that these people's lives were tanking big time. Things were going wrong. That's when God showed up and changed things. And we read, and we're going to be reading. I'm going to show you. We're going to be looking over the next several weeks. It's going to be a blast of some great things here. We read about people's lives and just everything was horrible. Everything went wrong. These are some fabulous people. And make no mistake, really bad things happen to some great people. Why, God? Why does God let these bad things Listen, just because you're a person of faith doesn't mean bad things will never happen to you. Now, I believe overwhelmingly much less bad things happen to you 
than if you don't know God in your life. Because God will protect you from a lot of stuff and keep you. I mean, quite frankly, a lot of the bad stuff we get into is because we're idiots. And you follow the Bible, it helps you to avoid stupid. But without question, even as you're walking with God, some bad things happen to really good people. The Bible does not say nothing bad will happen to you. What it says is even though something may, bad may happen, God will triumph in your life. That's faith. Faith is, I'll never have anything bad in my life. Faith is, though bad things may come, God will change those things in my life. Because my hope and trust is not in my circumstances. It's in a living God who never changes. That's where my faith is. That's where my hope is. And until you get there, you can't change anything. What are you going to do if you don't learn this? What do you do when the doctor tells you your wife has breast cancer? You're just going to freak, cry, and come and just be miserable for the next three years of your life? We'll be there for you. We'll pray there for you. We'll try and comfort you. Pray God's comfort around you. And if, everything, and if the worst happens, we will. We'll have a f- great funeral and do everything we can for your family. I don't say that lightly. But man, that's not my goal. I'd rather see God show up and change that circumstance. What are you going to do when something really happens to one of your children? Bad sickness. You're just going to freak? Again, I don't want to just be in comfort mode. I want to see God change the situation. What's going to happen? That job you've had for 20 years that you thought would always be there and suddenly it's gone. You're going to freak? You're going to panic? You're going to come unglued? Or you're going to stand in a place of faith and see God literally change the circumstances in your life? That's what I want to teach you. That's what I want to show you. I can't do it if you're not here. Alright? Come to church. I know it's summer. Heaven forbid we worship God when it's nice outside. But if you can actually think, let's do it for a whole hour here and see if we can learn some things so that you can get into a place where you learn what real faith is. Because real faith is powerful, man. It will change the circumstances in your life. Those of you who are there, you know what I'm talking about. We've got some fabulous stories in this congregation. We keep hearing them of God just doing amazing things. I'm going to share some of the stories in my life that God had just done amazing things. But it's because we did specific things to make sure we were in a place of faith. And I'm going to be sharing those with you. And we're going to look at some great people in the Bible where things just really bad stuff happened to them. Things instead of getting better got worse. You thought because they're doing the right thing they'd be blessed out of their minds. But instead the worst happens to them. See, we forget those because what we look, I'm going to be reading some of the most famous miracles in the Bible. We just think of the miracle. We always think, oh, it's great. What a great miracle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to back up. We're going to show you how they got into that place in the first place. I'm going to show you how they got to a place of miracle. Everything went wrong. It was like, hello, God, where are you? Yoo-hoo. Like you're calling God and all you get is a busy signal. Did they freak and panic? No, they stood in faith. God showed up and did some cool things. 
And I want to show you how you can get to that place in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us and you care for us. God, we want to experience real faith that is centered around a real God that brings real change in our lives and in our circumstances. Help us, Lord, as we teach on faith in these weeks to come to clearly communicate, to show the keys to real faith. Lord, so that, so that we'll be equipped, we'll be ready for when the tests come, because they always come. When the trials come, because they always come. But to be able to stand in faith, knowing a God who rewards those who diligently seek him. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite our ushers if they would come as we just prepare for communion this morning and our worship team as they return back to, on stage. As we prepare our hearts for communion in a few moments, we'll be holding in our hand a, a piece of bread that represents the body of Christ and the cup with the grape juice of the wine in it that represents the blood of Jesus and representing what Jesus did when he died on that cross, when he suffered and, and died on the cross for you and for me. But before we do... Pastor Mark has been talking about faith. I want to just take a moment and just remind us about saving faith. You see, we come to a relationship with God, and that relationship with God begins with faith. It begins in believing. It begins with the fact that we are saved by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast, the Word of God says. In other words, I can't work my way towards God. I cannot be good enough. I cannot just decide, well, I'm going to try and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And I'm gonna, by working my way, I'm going to encounter God, this relationship with God. No, because if we work for it, it becomes a wage. And the Word of God very clearly t t tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life faith in God. Salvation begins by faith. And someone here this morning, right here at the Eastside campus, will experience God in a new way. Will begin this walk of faith, this life of faith, this relationship with God. In a few moments, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. I'm going to invite all of us, as we do every single Sunday, invite all of you to repeat that prayer after me. Why do we do that? Why is it a part of what we do at Celebration Church at all our campuses? Well, let me tell you why. It gives you an opportunity to declare and to come before God and gives you a chance to say, God, I realize I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. I realize that I have tried to live my own life, try to be all that, try to earn my way to you. But I'm realizing this morning that it's not by works, it's by faith in you. Faith in you, believing in you. Again, even that passage of Scripture from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, out of the Message Bible that Pastor Mark began with this morning, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that He exists and that He cares enough to respond to those who seek Him. Someone here this morning is seeking God. And their hearts have been stirred. And this morning, as you pray in faith, and even in our prayer this morning, 
We'll be praying those very words. And by faith, accept you into our lives as our Savior and our Lord. That's what faith is. Faith for salvation. So would you bow your heads with me this morning and invite all of us just to repeat these simple words after me. And again, this morning, if you're praying it from your heart for the first time, maybe you've prayed it before, but this time this morning, it's from your heart. You're beginning, you're beginning that walk, that relationship of receiving God's forgiveness and that faith walk today. So would you repeat these words after me this morning? Dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart tells me I need you. I now confess my sin and repent of my sin and by faith ask you to come into my life as my Savior and my Lord. Amen.